turn with me to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians in chapter 6. I just want to say thank you all again. The meal was excellent. So far, I'm three for three in Alabama, so appreciate that. Uh, Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 7. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruptions, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not, as we have therefore opportunity. Let us do good unto all men, especially them who are of the household of faith. Let us not be weary in well-doing. It is easy to become weary in well-doing, isn't it? In our Christian life, it is, it is, it is hard, isn't it? To be different, to make sure that we are bringing glory to God as the ambassadors of God. It is, it is a, it is a responsibility that we should not take lightly. And I, I don't think that we ever, I don't think that we don't take it seriously. I think sometimes, just like we. We're saying about Jesus dying on the cross. Sometimes we get so used to these expressions and so used to these ideas that they become, well, of course, yes, I, I know, I know. It becomes mundane. It becomes something we take uh, for granted. It becomes trite because you just hear, it, you know, like you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, right? Like, yeah, but do you truly believe what the words behind that? And the same here for you know, being weary and, and well-doing. It's a real struggle. It, you can be burnt out, you can be weary in, in well-doing. Let's start up at the top here. It says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. There's another expression we're all, all too familiar with. You reap what you sow. And I'm sure some of us have heard the expression, well, you need to sow your wild oats when you're young, and that way you can be done with it by the time you're older, right? Now, um, I have been told that before. I've done my best to not sow too many wild oats. But um, we, you know, is when you get older, then you have to harvest your wild oats, don't you? Because we know in numbers it says your sins will find you out. doesn't matter what they are, eventually they will find you out. Turn with me, if you will, uh, just over a little bit to Galatians chapter 5, in verse 16, it says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, that ye fulfill not the lusts of the flesh, for the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, sedations, heresies, envyings, murderers, drunks, drunkenness, excuse me, revelings, and such, of the li and such like of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. 
But the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh which with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. What are we sowing this morning? What are we sowing in our lives? Are we sowing um, the the works of the flesh here, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, varying, immolations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies? Are these the things that we're sowing in our life that we're going to have to reap later? Or are we sowing the fruits of the Spirit? And are we going to be able to, to reap love and joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance? There is no wall against these things. Nowhere on earth will you find someone who gets mad at you for being happy or gets mad at you for being patient or gets mad at you for, for being temperate and just not crazy all the time. These what, what are we sowing in our lives? And as Christians, we are called to sow the fruits of the Spirit. Matter of fact, they're called what? The fruits of the Spirit, aren't they? When you plant an apple tree, what do you get? You don't get apricots or dates or oranges. When you plant an apple tree, you can know that it's going to be a... An apple. As a matter of fact, if you plant a Granny Smith apple tree, you know for a fact you're going to get Granny Smith apples, not Red Delicious or Gala or any of these things. And we are called to plant these things and to sow into the world love and joy and peace and gentleness, goodness, faith and meekness and temperance. Turn with me now, if you will, to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3 and verse 23. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. Reap what you sow is, is, even though those words may not be found all throughout the Bible, the principle of that is found all throughout the Bible, isn't it? You will reap what you sow. If you, you will get your just desserts, as, as it said, right? If you, if you uh, lie to everybody, you will be what? Labeled as a liar. And it will take you years and years. If, if you start telling the truth right after that, it'll be years before people believe you again. You will reap what you sow. And as Christians, that's very important to us because the bible says that god's word will not come back to him void so if you're out there and you're talking to people about the bible and you're ministering to people and you're handing out tracts you his word won't come back void what he doesn't say is you may not know what that track does and because just because you're called to give the track to this one person doesn't mean he's not gonna throw it on the dashboard and forget about it and someone later is gonna pick it up and maybe that was a person that needed that track and you will never meet this person but you were called to do that next right thing. And that next right thing is for you to give this tract to somebody. And you sowed that into the world, didn't you? And when you get to heaven, you will reap that reward. Because we will reap what we sow. Because we, and we, we cannot hide from God. God knows all things. His ways are higher than our ways. Our God is omnipotent and, all pre, and omnipresent and all-powerful. And he knows everything. There's nothing that we can do that God doesn't already know. 
So when you're out there and you're worried about what you're sewing, you're, well, people are going to think I'm funny, you know. That's okay. God doesn't think it's funny. God loves you and God wants you to do that. And if you love God, you will want to do these things. If you love God, you will not be in idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revilings, and such of the like. If we're saved, we should not want to do these things. Be not weary in well-doing. You know, we've heard uh, the expression, whenever a time of trial comes, you very rarely do people rise to the, ex- rise to the task. You always sink to your level of, of, uh, uh, what is it, your level of experience, your level of knowledge. This is what we do whenever we're in a tough situation. We, in movies, you rise to the occasion because you can do a couple, couple minute montage and you know exactly what you need to do. But in real life, it's not like that. In real life, we don't rise, very rarely do we rise the occasion. We sink to our level of training. And so let me ask this, what is your level of training this morning? Whenever the world comes at you, is do you sink back to the old man and do you just slip into that? Well, you know, it's just this one time. No one will know. Or, hey, well, it's, this isn't that bad. No, this is not what the Bible says. The Bible says we'll reap what we sow. And if we get used to slipping back into the world, we will sow that, will we not? You'll find yourself studying and not realize, not understanding. You'll find yourself praying and not feeling an answer back because you have removed yourself from God. And when that happens, what do we often do? Well, what would the Lord do? How come the Lord's not doing this? We're quick to blame the Lord for our inadequacies, aren't we? But we will reap what we sow. And I was looking at some different examples in the Bible and I couldn't help but think about Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. Ananias and Sapphira, they, if you read the first part of that story, they did, they was on the right track, weren't they? Ananias and Sapphira saw that everybody was donating to the church and they were selling all they had and was giving it to the church and the church was giving out as every man saw fit. And Ananias and Sapphira, they wanted to be a part of that. Now, they wanted to be a part of it for the wrong reasons. They didn't want to be the only people left in the church who had their own place and didn't feel like they fully trusted in the church. And in the Lord. So they sold their property and they said, Well, we just keep such a part back for us just, just in case this whole church thing doesn't work out. And so they give their part to the church and they said, We sold it for such this amount. And so a little bit later they Ananias came back and they said, Did you sell your property for this much? And he said, Oh yes, yes, of course, of course. And he fell over dead because he lied. And a little bit later, they called uh, Sapphira and said, Sapphira, did you not sell your property for this much? She said, oh, yes, yes, that's exactly how much we sold it for. And they said, well, the people that carried your husband out are fixing to carry you out. And they were out and they were buried together because they lied and they reaped what they sowed. They lied to the church and they lied to the word of to God and they reaped what they sowed. There's, they sowed destruction and they were destroyed. Another example of this is Achan in, the, in, in Joshua. The people were told to go in and destroy the people, leave not a trace of them, kill everything and everyone, don't take their money or their clothes or nothing. If it's alive, you kill it, and if it's a thing, you burn it or you leave it. And Achan went and he looked and he saw the goodly Babylonian garment and so much gold and so much silver, and he took these things for himself. And what did he do? His destruction, he sowed disobedience and and what did he what did he reap? He reaped death as well, didn't he? Whenever because of his disobedience, his tribe started having problems, and then the whole camp of the children of Israel started having problems because God was angry with him. 
And brothers and sisters in Christ, whenever we sow bad things, the church will reap those consequences, will they not? Because each one of us are an integral part of the church. It may not feel that way, but I promise you that you are. And I know that y'all don't have a pastor right now, but whenever whenever you did have a pastor, whenever you're fixing to have a pastor, as the Lord allows, your attendance means the world to your pastor. And your faithfulness means the world to the pastor. And to you, it may just be an annoying couple hours out there mowing the grass, but that's something your pastor doesn't have to do. And I know that it's a blessing. The Lord will bless you for what you have sowed in your work for the church and the Lord and you blessing your pastor. And that's one of the things that you will get to reap is that blessing from the, from, from the, the pastor. And so Achan, Achan, he, he, he didn't, he didn't follow what the Lord said. And the whole children of Israel were starting to reap those consequences. And so you know what they did? They pruned that, didn't they? The Lord did. And Achan was, and Achan and his family, even the ones that were had nothing to do with it, his, his family and his father, all of them, they died. Even his cows and his asses and, and all that he had, they all were swallowed up with him and died. But of course, that's the bad part, right? You reap what you sow bad. But but I'll tell you something, too, that we kind of forget to talk about sometimes is you, you reap the good things, too. And I, I, could, I, I thought of a couple examples, but I could think of none greater than Elijah and the widow woman. And there were, you know, we all know the story. There was a there was a drought in the land, and first of all, Elijah had to go and tell the king there was a drought. <laughs> and Elijah didn't want to do that, and I don't blame him. But Elijah had sowed his faith in the Lord, and Elijah went and told the man. And the, then the Lord said, "Go to go to the brook Cherith." And Elijah sowed some more faith and went to the brook Cherith. And you know what Elijah reaped? Elijah didn't have to worry about being thirsty or hungry. He had to. The Raven Express coming in and, and feeding him. And he had the brook Cherith to drink from. And he didn't have to worry about it at all. And then the Lord dried up that. And he said, well, Elijah, I need you to go to this place. And Elijah sowed more faith. And he went to this place. And you know what Elijah reaped? He reaped a cake and some bread. There was some, uh, some water there, didn't you? And he told this little, the, the widow woman there and her son, he said, go and bake me that cake first and give me the water first. And uh, the the widow woman, she sowed her faith, didn't she? And she sowed her love of the Lord, and she went and provided for the man of the Lord. And you know what that widow woman reaped? She didn't go hungry. Her and her son didn't die, because that was the plan, wasn't it? She said, we're going to gather these two or three sticks, just enough to get the oven hot enough to bake this cake. We're going to eat it and wait to die. That was the whole, that was her whole plan. But she sowed her faith in the Lord, and she gave the most important thing to her. Now, I don't have kids, so I can't speak to that. But I know that if it was me and my sister, and all we had was a little Debbie to spit between us, you'd be hard-pressed to pry that out of either one of our hands, wouldn't you? Because there's no one more important to me than my sister in this scenario. Because it's just us. And so some guy who we, you know, she may or may not have known who Elijah was, but Elijah said, I'm a man of the Lord. And this woman's faith in the Lord that she had sowed all of her life. And she reaped it that day. And for the, the days of that entirety of that famine, she did not starve and she was taken care of. Another example of someone who sowed in the Lord was Job. And Job went through it, didn't he? <laughs> and you know what? It's You don't want this, but you pray that we're strong enough in the Lord that the Lord can point to us and say, well, have you considered Glenn or have you considered Bryce or Rhonda or any of the other members here? Have you considered them when the devil comes and says, Oh, well, they're, you know, they just believe in you for such and such reasons. 
when the, the, and the and can God can God look at you and say, well, what about this person? Or do we sink to the level of training that we have? And do we sink to the old man when we come to these things and we come to these trials? But Job didn't. And Job lost at pretty much everything, didn't he? Job even had people as he was sitting in a burn pile, scraped with a pot, scraping off the bulls. Everyone he knew was coming up going, man, just curse God and just get this over with, man. You're no fun to be around like this. But Job said, no, I can't do it. And Job sowed his faith and his love and his patience. Job sowed a whole bunch of seeds before he got to reap, didn't he? But you know what What did Job reap? He, reap? he reaped double everything he had. What you reap, you will, what you sow, you will reap. So what, that's a good question for you this morning. What are you sowing into this world? And what are you sowing for the Lord that he might use? In verse uh, 9, it says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Bible says the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. There's enough work for each and every one of us to do from sunup to sunrise and everything in the middle. Because the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Are we laboring for the Lord? Do not be weary in well-doing. It made me think of this, the um, the parable about the, the men, um, the farmer, or the vineyard owner who went out and hired people in the morning and said, I'll pay you such a penny for the day. And then he went out three hours later and got people and three hours later and three hours later till the very last hour he went out and hired people. Everyone got paid a penny. And those people who had been there all day, they got weary and well-doing, didn't they? <laughs> they got paid the same amount as those people that got busted in at the very last minute and worked an hour. And they, they got paid the same. And they said, why is this? And they got weary in the well-doing. If we, as Christians, we all receive the same reward, don't we? We all die and we get to go to heaven. I heard of a preacher one time, he, he would be on uh, uh, airplanes and stuff, and that he would tell people what a great job he had. He had this big mansion when he retired and, you know, gated community, and he just talked up, hawked up, talked it up like that, and then he'd tell people it was heaven and he would minister them that way. And if we're saved, it doesn't matter how long you've been saved, how long you've surrendered your life to christ whether it's been for 50 years or 20 minutes if you die after you've accepted or after you've put your faith in jesus christ you will receive the same reward but those of you who have been around a little bit longer than i have i've only been saved for a couple years it's easier to get weary and well-doing isn't it i've only been saved for a couple years and it, it is hard isn't it to be to be that guy at work that doesn't doesn't go out after work or doesn't participate in some of the jokes or the revelry at work. Um, it can be difficult. And I'll tell you that I was in Peru when me and one of the gentlemen there, I was telling you last night, we were splitting a hotel room to say cut on costs. And um, we were talking and and that was one of the things that we shared. It went, one of the nights we were just talking, we were talking about how hard it is to be different at work and be that guy. And you know what? That guy at Peru, because we're not even in the same field. He was a welder, and I'm in general maintenance for a, a facility. And he was 30,000 miles away from where I live and where I will, where I lived and where I've always lived. You know what he said? He said, me too. 
As Chris, the problem of us as Christians is not unique to us, the, the ones in America. It's not unique to anybody. It is hard to be uh, a person for the Lord, and it's hard to sow meekness and long-suffering and joy and love. It's hard to sow these things, and it's hard for everyone everywhere, not just us. It doesn't matter where you go. And hard may be the wrong word, but it can be, it can be, can it? It can be hard to love certain people. Jesus said we're to, to love our enemies even as ourselves. That's a hard one to do because they're your enemy, right? That's, that's the whole point. You're not supposed to like them. They're the enemy. But Jesus said you're to love them and do good to them that persecute you and to those that revile you. Oh, is that how, much, how many seeds of love do you have to sow for that to cover that up, right? Be not weary in well-doing. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 4. That I make it, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. All my states shall Titus de- declare unto you, who is beloved, who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you, they shall make known unto you all things which are done here. And Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, and saluteth you, and Marcus, sister's son to Barnabas, touching whom ye receive commandments, if he, if he come unto you, receive him. And Jesus, which is, I'm sorry, no wonder, I'm in Colossians. That makes me feel better. I'm like, I don't remember this. Um, I apologize for that. That makes me feel better. I'm like, I don't remember this, but it was fitting because in the next verse, it says, do good unto them, especially unto them that are in the house of God. And that's exactly what Paul was talking about. The Lord works all things out for good. I didn't plan that, but that's, that's, that's just a pretext for the next, next verse here. But Paul says, do good to these people because they have helped me in the next verse it, in, uh, Galatians there. It says, and we have, and we have therefore opportunity. Let's do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. And Paul said, these men are of the household of faith, and they've been a great help to me. And I, I need you to be a help to them now. But anyway, that was jumping ahead. Now going back to Philippians chapter four, starting in verse four, it says, "Rejoice in the Lord always." And again, I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again 
wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Now that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and how to abound everywhere, and in all things I am instructed, both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens, which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Be ye not weary in well doing. You know how you cannot be weary in well doing because verse thirteen thirteen says, "I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me." Christ will not put something on you that you cannot bear. And Christ said, my burden, my, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And there's, I will not put anything on you that you cannot carry. And in First Peter it says, cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. If it ever feels like it's too much for you, that's okay. That's what the Lord's there for. He wants to help you. It's just like that, that story you see. Um, you see the plaques of it and stuff. Footprints. He said, I was, you and me and the Lord were walking along and then through the tough times, I looked back and I only saw one set of footprints. I said, Lord, where did you go? And the Lord said, well, I, that was, those were my footprints. I was carrying you through that. But you know what? We need to ask the Lord for help, don't we? It's easy to get wearied well doing if you think you have no support. It's hard to look at a big job and you have to do it all by yourself, isn't it? Whenever they started building this building, whenever y'all started building this building, it wasn't just one person that showed up, was it? No, you called, I don't know if y'all did it yourselves, if you called a contractor, but somebody had to have the idea, then he called a bunch of people, and y'all got together and helped in, pitched in, didn't you? It wasn't just one person hanging sheetrock and putting in ceiling tiles and running the electricity, no. And neither is our walk with Christ something we do by ourselves. We have a church, and we have the church here, and we should be a part of a local church, shouldn't we? Why is it important to be a local church? Because these are people that can support you in your day-to-day life. Another reason to, another blessing from the Lord, isn't it? A universal church means that people, you have brothers and sisters and they're just kind of around. But a local church, you can say, hey, I need, I need your help this week, brother. May I need you to pray for me. I've got X, Y, and Z going on. Or, hey, you know, I just, I've been feeling down lately. I've been slipping. I just gotten busy. I need you to pray for me. Can you help me? Or you can go to your pastor and you can say, Pastor, I don't understand. I've been reading this verse for the last two or three days. I don't get it. What does this mean? And that's, that's the community of the church is something that I believe we, we can overlook sometimes. But it says here, to, and Paul says, In whatsoever state I was therewith, I learned to be content. Be not weary. Contentness is a hard seed to sow, isn't it? Because it's, Especially for in America, right? Because the whole point of America is you can be bigger and better, right? In America, the I believe that um, that the story about the the uh, guy who tore down his his barns to build bigger ones. I think he was American because that's what we do, isn't it? And that's what we want. And there's nothing wrong with wanting better. I truly believe there's nothing want, wrong with wanting better. But in the spot you're in in life right now, be content, and the Lord will provide what you need what He needs to provide for you. And Paul was the one that said to be content. And if you will turn with me to 2 Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter 11. And again, the brother uh, 
reference this one in Sunday school. I, I, this, you preached my whole sermon in, in Sunday school, but I promise you both of them. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Starting in verse 23. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in laborers, more I am in labors, more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths off. Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, saved one. Thrice I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck. A day and a night, excuse me, a night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils of the, in the sea, in perils among false, false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides those things which are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches." In whatsoever state you are, therewith be content. Paul, if anyone in the word of God should have been weary with well-doing, it should have been Paul. Paul wanted to go to Rome. And you know how Paul got to Rome? He went to jail. <laughs> if anyone should be weary and well-doing, it should be Paul. And Paul said, don't be weary and well-doing. Because it is, a, it is something that we can, it's very easy for us to do. Now, this being said, I don't think we all need to go out and be beat 40 times, save one, and all these to prove that we are not weary and well-doing. The easiest way to prove you're not weary and well-doing is to keep plodding along for the Lord and keep steadfastly and without variance trudging forward and going forward into the world and shedding your light. Because you know what? I've always heard this my whole life, and the more I think about it, the more I believe it. You may be the only Bible that someone sees. Your life may be the only light in someone's dark life. You may be the only ambassador of Christ that anyone ever pays attention to. And you know what? They're going to judge the entire church based off your actions. So do we sow enough for the Lord to be able to feel confident enough to have the church judged by our actions? If you were on trial, could you be convicted as a Christian? I think about that sometimes. I heard that, and that's a very convicting thing. If someone took your life and played out everything and in a court of law had to stand before a judge and a jury and convict you of being a Christian, could you, could, would you be guilty? Or would there be reasonable doubt and you get off free? Be not weary in well-doing, brothers and sisters in Christ. It's an easy thing to do. Now, as you know, my dad's a pastor, so I've never really been without a pastor. But I know the church here has been for a little bit. And I'm sure those, those of you who have picked up and have done Sunday school and, and done the preaching, and it gets weary sometimes, I'm sure, doesn't it? It can get weary. And the ladies cooking every week, sometimes it's like, oh, I'm sure, man, i got to cook something else for these people. It can get weary, I'm sure. But be not weary in well-doing. Know that it is appreciated. I have no doubt of that. From what I've seen of the, of the church here, it's it's a blessing to be here. It's a blessing to be among believers. And it's a blessing to see people who have a fervor for what's right and fervor for what's in the will of the Lord. So I'm here to encourage you, not because of my words, but because of what the Bible says, to be not weary in well-doing. To keep trudging and plodding along and walking for the Lord. 
and to let your light so shine into the world. Be not weary in well-doing. You know another reason not to be weary in well-doing? is because like it says in Hebrews, I need to go ahead and turn there, Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. In the first verse it says, Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Is it possible that you have entertained an angel unaware? Be not weary in well-doing, because you never know when something's going to come by. And now that person could be an angel, and that person could be the devil walking to and fro as a roaring lion, couldn't it? Either way, you don't want to be caught slacking on post if it's an angel, and you don't want to be caught slacking if it's the devil. Because he will try his hardest to get you down, won't he? And then in verse 3, it says, Remember them that are in bonds is bound with them, and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. We are all in bonds through Christ, aren't we? Remember those that are in bonds. I'm going to do, I'm going to remember y'all as best as I can and, and keep you in my prayers. To be honest, before Brother Glenn called me, however, me a couple months ago to ask me to come, I didn't even know this church existed. I knew that there were churches around, but I specifically didn't know this church. And it has been a blessing to get to know you. And you know what? We're in bonds together. And I pray that you will remember me in your prayers as well. That the Lord would show me exactly what I need to do in my life. And show me and keep me in His Word and keep me in the will of His Word so that way I may present His Word to to others as, as I am called. Because we are in bonds together. And whenever you get weary and well-doing, remember that. Go to the next person and say, Brother, and what are you struggling with? Because here's what I'm struggling with right now. There's no shame in asking for help. There's no shame in saying that, hey, I'm slipping in this area or that area. Because you know why? We're all humans. And all have sinned to come short of the glory of God, right? So there shouldn't be any shame in saying, Brother, I slipped again. Because we have the flesh, don't we? And we are to put away the old man, but the old man is still still here. Even Paul says, I, when I would do good, evil is present with me. When I would want to do the good, I do the evil instead. Paul, who said he was the chiefest of sinners, slipped back sometimes, didn't he? Because he's just a man, just like us. It's, oh, it's not, we should strive not to slip. But when we do, we should confess our faults one to another. I have faults here before you this morning. In the same confidence I have that we all have faults. It's okay to, it's not, it is, but it isn't okay to have faults, isn't it? We should strive every day for the perfectness for God says, be holy as I am holy, holy as sinless. But we're not, are we? Be ye not weary in well-doing. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter three and verse eleven. Let them eschew evil and do good, let them seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto the prayers, but the faith of the Lord the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of that which is good? But, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not, af- be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. 
But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that, whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better in if it excuse me, for it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well doing than for evil doing. I recently heard heard a guy, he was talking about money and, and different things, but he, he said an expression, and, and it stuck with me. He said, pick your hard. He said, it is hard to budget money and have money later for whenever you need it. He said, it's also hard to spend all your money now and not have any later. He said, pick your hard. And that's that's what this verse right here is, is saying right now, is pick your hard. He's saying, it is, it is hard to be in the word and to be a godly person that's hard to do right now but it's easy later but being in the world's easy now but it gets a whole lot harder later doesn't it whenever you get if you're not saved and you have put your faith in lord jesus christ or even if you're you are saved and maybe you've backslidden a little bit it's hard because you've fallen away from the lord pick your heart be not weary in well-doing it may be hard right now to to be different and, and, and to let your light so shine and being the salt of the earth. But it will be easy later on. It says it is better in the to if the will of the God it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well doing than for evil doing. The punishment on here on earth is not as bad as a punish eternal punishment, yeah. isn't it? Turn with me over to uh, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to you, is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice in so much as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye for the spirit of the glory and of God resist resteth upon you and their part he is evil spoken of but on your part he is glorified but let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters yet if any man suffer as a christian let him not be ashamed but let him glorify god on his behalf for the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of god and if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. If you are not weary in well-doing and you continue about the word of the Lord, it says you are doing it unto a faithful creator. You're doing it unto God and not unto men. It doesn't matter what I think about you. It doesn't matter what they think about you. And it doesn't matter what you think about each other. What matters is what God thinks about you. And if you stand before a perfect God, can you stand boldly? Can you stand proudly before him? Knowing that your sins have been washed away and that the actions that you have done after that have been glorifying to God. Can you stand as an ambassador from Christ to the world and say that you did what you were called to do. Romans chapter 2 and verse 5. 
But after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasure up unto thyselves wrath against the day of wrath and revelation and yeah, revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds, to them who is who to them who by patient continuance and well doing seek for glory and honor and immorality eternal life. But unto them that are con- contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. Be not weary in well-doing. God will render to every man according to his deeds. And as we saw in verse 11, it says, God, for there is no respect of persons with God. It doesn't matter whether you're Jew or Gentile or Indian or Ukrainian or Russian or American. If you do evil, you will have to answer for that when you stand before God. Be not weary in well-doing, because it says here, to them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immorality, these receive eternal life. And to those that don't, they receive tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also unto the Gentile. Be not weary in well-doing, because you will sow, you will reap what you sow. And there is no doubt about that. We see that all throughout Scripture. And then in verse 10, in the text in Galatians, Galatians 6, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are the household of faith. If we are to do good to those outside of the church, we should do it doubly so to those inside the church, should we not? We are together and we are members in the body and we are in bonds one with another. And we should help each other out to the best of our ability. In whatever it is. You can, you know, if you need, if you need, uh, your, you know, a new toilet put in, I can do that. If you need your car worked on, I'm not that guy. I have no idea. My dad is. My dad could take a car apart, put it back together, every bolt, have nothing left over. Cars, to me, do not make sense at all. That's not my, my area of expertise. I don't have a lot of area of expertise, but that's definitely not one of them. Now, you want a building put together? That's more along my speeds. Plumbing, stuff like that, that makes sense. Cars do not. So that's where we're put together as a body, isn't it? If we were all eyes, how would we smell? If we were all noses, how would we see? If we were all arms, how would we walk? And if we're all legs, how would we grab? That's a paraphrase and a poor one, I'm sure, but that's what the Bible says. We are all one body in Christ, and we are all to help out each other as much as possible. And I believe that's one thing the Amish does to get right, isn't it? When somebody needs a barn raised, it's done. We all They all pitch in and help. Are we willing to pitch in and help each other? Are we willing to sow that into the church? Because if you and if you sow your help and you as the Bible says here, if we especially unto them who are the household of faith, if we continue to sow that into the church, what do you think you're going to reap? A connection so strong that you'll be the envy of anyone around, won't it? Whenever something happens and you're there for them, you're sowing something into that, aren't you? And you will reap what you sow. And as a church, if 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 we and y'all, sorry, I'm not a member, but as as our respective churches, if we sow that into the church, what will we reap? 
we will reap that much more. We will reap a community and we will reach an atmosphere that is pleasing to God. You will reap what you sow. Now I'm going to end with this this evening. How do we do good? Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians. First Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse 9. For God hath not appointed us unto wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. He is always with us. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. Help one another. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Don't fight with each other. As the, we saw the Bible earlier, it says, don't be busybody in other men's matters, especially those in the church. Don't be busybodies. It says to lift each other up in love and to edify one another. Now, verse 14 says, We exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient towards all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying. Prove all things and hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. It is possible to go to a bar and order a club soda, isn't it? But if you're sitting at the bar with a club soda and someone walks by and they say, well, yeah, they go to that Philadelphia church. Well, they go to the bar just like I do. Do they think, does it ever cross your mind when you see someone at a bar that they could have a club soda or a sarsaparilla? I've never been to a bar. I don't know. Whatever they serve now. Is it? Do you do you think that when you drive past a bar, do you, or do you think, oh, a bunch of whiskey and beer and this, that, and the other thing? Abstain from even the appearance of evil. The Bible says, "Do not be weary in well doing." It's hard. It's hard to do the things of the word, and it's hard to not even to to be spot so spotless. You don't even do things that look like you're doing the bad things, isn't it? And then turn with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. And verse 1. Finally, brethren, pray for us and the word of the Lord may... And, excuse me, I'm going to start over. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you, that ye both do and will do the things which we have commanded you. And the Lord direct your hearts unto the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. Now we command you, brethren, in the, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly, and not after the tradition which he received of us. For yourselves know how ye ought to follow us, for we behaved not ourselves disorderly among you. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day, that we might not be chargeable to any of you. Not because we have not power to make 
ourselves and in sample unto you to follow us. For <clears throat> even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if you would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some among you which walk among you disorderly, working not all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such we command and exhort you by our Lord Jesus Christ, that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. Be not weary in well-doing. And if you see someone who is not doing well or is not in the well-doing of the Lord, the Bible says you are to remove yourself from that person. Because we do not rise to the occasion, do we? We sink to the level of training we have. And that person who has sunk to their level of training will draw others to it because misery loves company. And if you're saved here tonight, whenever you sink back into that old man, you are miserable, aren't you? And you want other people to be miserable with you. Be not weary in well-doing. I encourage you here in the church, and this also is for me as well, to encourage myself in this, but be not weary in well-doing. The Bible has set forth the principles by which we should live. And the Bible has set forth a doctrine by which we live our lives. And the Bible is the Word of God. And the Bible is an example. And it is the love of God in so much as it is the Word of God. Be not weary in well-doing. Keep on keeping on. Be the little church that could, right? I encourage you to continue on in the path that you have continued on. I, what time that we have spent together, even though it hasn't been great, I don't see this church as, as one who has gathered to itself with itching ears and is going to want someone that's tickling the ivories and making everything nice and, and pretty. And I encourage you not to believe a word that I've said <laughs> and call me back like that, like that church did and uh, that Paul preached to. And they said, well, we'll get back with you later. And they got back and they said, well, what you said was right. We believe it. Do it again. And I encourage you not to believe a word I've said and don't tell me good job till you can go home and and test and, and find out everything that I've said. I, you shouldn't believe anyone in a pulpit just because they're in a pulpit. Anyone can stand up here. Anyone can grab the word of God. Anyone can do anything. But trust in the Lord and trust in and have faith in the Lord and his word and and cling to that only. Because nothing else matters. Be not weary in well-doing. Thank you, brother.